listen to your gut, look at the numbers, but listen to your gut too, and visually inspect the property. Um, and there's no perfect property, you know? Yeah. There's no, there, there's, there is no property that's up today. There just isn't, you know? <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't exist. But can you live with it, you know? Can you live with it? Can you fix it over time, you know? Welcome to the Threefold Real Estate Investing Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll not only learn how you can achieve massive success in multifamily real estate investing, but also how you can simultaneously pursue great relationships with your family and a better walk with God. You can achieve financial freedom through real estate investing without sacrificing the relationships that mean the most to you. Now, here's your host, Lee Yoder. All right, three full listeners, uh, have another great episode for us today. JJ Harrison is joining us today. JJ hails from uh, the great, uh, well, I was going to say the great state of Ohio and in Cincinnati, but he's actually just across the river in Fort Thomas, Kentucky. But JJ, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Well, thank you, Lee. I appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate having you on. And uh, JJ is a, um, has been a broker in the area for, for 25 years. Um, knows a lot of people. Uh, I actually just met JJ recently, but um, it feels like since then I've brought your name up to a few people, JJ, and everybody knows you. So um, <laughs> I guess that's what happens when you're when you're very active and you're hustling for 25 years, you know, in the same area. So uh, really looking forward to kind of get your um, pick your brain on on the local market. But from uh, for our listeners that aren't local, we'll we'll kind of talk macro view and 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 just um, the real estate market in general. But JJ, why don't we start with? Um, how you got started? You know, what were you doing before you got into real estate? And then how, how'd you get into it? About 28 years ago, I sold manufactured homes and I was really good at it. I was a top salesperson for eight of, um, I was there eight years and um, I was a top salesperson for seven years. The owner of the company came to me and goes, I want to start a real estate company, go out and get a broker's license in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. And I didn't really think nothing out of it. He just asked me to do it. I did it. Um, and then he decided not to open up a real estate company. Mm. And then at, just at that time, the um, Wall Street stopped buying the paper of manufactured houses. So okay. I kind of saw the writing on the wall that, hey, look, this isn't going to be around very long or it's going to be different. So I had these licenses. And then I, I got into listing for HUD directly, listing for the VA. I still list for the VA. Um, and I sold a lot of... Um, foreclosure, single family foreclosures. Mm -hmm. There was a, a hedge fund out of Dallas, Texas that did a lot of business with me. There was an Israeli hedge fund that did a lot of business with me. Wow. And then when the single family started drying up, they're like, well, let's buy 144 unit in Columbus. JJ, why don't you help us out? So I kind of got led into it, yep. but then I really loved it because, you know, if you're going to have a headache, you might as well have a headache with a good paycheck, you know? So <laughs> right. there's a big difference between selling a $30,000 foreclosure and 144 unit in Columbus, Ohio, you know, there's a big difference. Yeah. And so that's kind of how I, I stumbled into it. Do you remember your first deal? Do you remember like the first multifamily? Do you remember when you, when you went that route and kind of led into it? Do you remember one of your yeah, first it was ones? The, the, the largest one was uh, about 10 years ago. Um, it was the 144 unit in Columbus. Okay. And like I said, this Israeli group had bought and, um, a, like 
we would close literally seven single families a week. Wow. And this went on for like a year. And I would actually sign for them. So I'd get like writer's cramp, you know, I'd sign for them in the closings. <laughs> so the first big one was about 10 years ago, 144 unit in Columbus, Ohio. And, and that's, and then it just kind of sprang from there. I'm like, I kind of like this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, did, did you start transitioning a little bit and, and just doing more and more multifamily from then? Most of what I do is, is multifamily. I mean, I've done hotels, shopping wow. centers, um, you know, all this other stuff too, you know, just office buildings. Um, but my bread and butter is apartment complexes and off market apartment complexes. Yep. Yeah. And so how are you, how are you getting those JJ? How are you? I mean, I, that's a, that's a great, that's a question. Everybody wants to know everybody in it right now. I, knows I, I know a lot of people. I, I have a database of 2000 investors that know who I am. Um, some more than others, but, but there, there's, um, uh, about 2000 investors. So I network, you know, maybe someone I sold a property to three or four years ago at 25,000 a year unit said, look, you know, you could probably sell this and get 40, maybe more. Yeah. And would you be interested? You want to do it low key. If they want to do it low key, that's my specialty. Um, I just work my list and, and find out who that perfect buyer is for that property. Mm-hmm. I do also have stuff in LoopNet. I also have, you know, stuff on the MLS, but, um, but a lot of it is just communication with investors. That you've developed relationships with over the past. Yeah. And, years. and my unique selling proposition is like, um, this morning I already took a call at 7 a.m. Yeah. And if you were to pick up the phone, Lee, and call me tonight at 10 p.m., as long as I heard the phone ring, I would answer it. Yeah. That is so rare in commercial real estate. Yes, it is. Yep. I can't get a hold of anybody nine to five Monday through Friday, hardly. <laughs> so that's that's my unique selling proposition is off market and I'm responsive. Yeah. Yeah, I, I second that wholeheartedly. The the uh, brokers, the guys that I'm working with, three CRE. Uh, in Cincinnati. I mean, those guys are the same way and it stands out when somebody does that. Yeah. It really stands out because yeah, it's so common. It blows me away. I don't expect people to answer. Like if I, especially if I called you earlier or late, I would not expect it all, but I always just expect people to get back to me within 24 hours. Yeah. And that, even that's uncommon. I mean, I've got Very gosh, my property manager, one of my property managers sometimes uh, it just blows me away that even within 24 hours, like, again, if you're busy for the day, cool, but if I you've go got to have me on your list. You'll never know it. Really? If I take a few days off and go somewhere for a few days, I take my laptop, I take my phone and a printer, and I get up a couple hours early. I do my work, do what I have to do to vacation, and then an hour or two before I go to bed, I'll, I'll hit it again. So, like, if I, if I, if I go away, we're going to go away Thanksgiving weekend none of my clients will really know it unless they see this um, because I w- I'll be active. If they call yeah. me and I'm skiing, I, if I can, I'll pick up the phone. No. Yeah. 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 And so let's jump into that part of it. I mean, JJ, we'll, we'll jump back in, but um, it sounds like you, you kind of work it out, but how does that work out with, with your family be, being on all the time like that or being available all the time, but still yeah, trying to be I'm- present with your family and, and, I'm a single father to a 17 year old who's wonderful. He's, he's well-behaved. He's a good kid. Um, and I cook for him. I cooked for him last night. Um, and I'm going to drive him to school as soon as we're done, uh, you know, a quarter of or whenever we're done, I'm going to get in my car. I'm going to take him to school, but I've already worked probably an hour and a half already today. You know, I've already gotten a lot done. So it, it works that, 
I can work from home doing yeah. a lot of it. But when I'm in the field, like I said, I've been a date three times. So I go when he's in school. Yeah. You know, that way when he gets off, I can usually pick him up, you know? Yep. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, the flexibility of it, right. And the power to make your own schedule, control your yeah. time. I mean, you can work a lot and that's kind of what I've always said. I mean, I, I that feel like that's, you know, one of the main reasons or one of the big reasons real estate spoke to me so much and being able to build my own thing, because I really do like to work. I mean, obviously you do too. I like to yeah, work. And so, it. but to be able to get up and, and work before the kids are up, it's like, I, yeah. I, I get work done and I didn't miss any time. Now, if yeah. you're working for somebody else, you can't really start work at four thirty-five in the morning necessarily. You know, that yeah. my, my previous job where I had to work a lot of hours in a corporate job, I mean, we had to be there at eight. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, I, I would get up and, and get some stuff done, but they didn't care. It didn't mean I could come in later, you know, just because I got up at five and got some work done at home. I had to be in there, you know, quarter till eight and you can't leave until, you know, five fifteen, maybe five thirty, maybe later. And uh, yeah. So with, with real estate, I, I, that's one thing I love. And I mean, even being on vacation, like, getting to really enjoy your vacation. But if you're somebody that likes to get up early and you like to work, you have the, you know, the opportunity to get up a little bit early, get a little bit of work done and then not have to worry about um, it for most of the day and be on vacation most of the day, but you still get to get up yeah. and kind of scratch that itch too. And be a good yep, broker. Absolutely. I mean, cause that's, yeah, to me, that's, man, that's uh, so relevant to, to being a good broker is just good communication. So obviously you've had that over the years, JJ and, and um, developed those relationships. So I guess, what would you say, you know, for, for people, um, maybe they're starting out, maybe they, maybe they have a few deals, but they're looking to get their next multifamily deal. Um, I, you know, I, I think maybe in, in years past, maybe it's been a few years, but people would think like, well, I'll, I'll do a mailing campaign or I'll, I'll try to call, um, you know, apartment owners. Would you suggest that JJ, or is it so kind of hot right now? And, and, and people like you, and then, I mean, my gosh, even the big brokers, I mean, they're calling, they're calling property owners. Is it, is it better to, to network with somebody like you and, and, and do brokers like you really control most of the deals right now? Are people spinning their wheels if they're trying to um, market directly um, to sellers right now? There, I think all of the above approach is good. Um, people are saturated with letters and phone calls in Texas. They've got yeah. programs now where you can find someone who owns a property and text them. And, and, you know, um, and, and so property owners get probably three or four letters a month. Yeah. So it's kind of saturated where it's not, you know, is this another letter from someone? And so I, you know, if someone wants to do all that, they can, if they want to do telemarketing, they can, but to find yourself someone trustworthy, like I said, I've got a database already of 2000 investors that want to buy properties in Ohio and Kentucky. And, um, and they, some of them will sell and some of them will buy. And it, um, it's a very good list. They know me. Right. So they know when I send them something that it's direct from the owner. And, um, you know, and, and I try to provide value if I can to them. So yeah, all the above is, is good. If you have okay. the time to do that. So still, yeah, still worthwhile. Uh, but just I me, mean, you got to know these people are getting a lot of letters. So if you're sending one, maybe try to stand out somehow. How would you say stand out? Do you stand, do you, and just be pretty aggressive with your, with your offer price? What do you think? What do you think it takes to, to get? Uh, you know, yeah, here's here's the if there was a mistake, I thought investors made a lot of time is you don't want to close on a property and not understand it and understand the numbers, but because we're working at warp speed, what happens is people will see something come on the market or off the market but still available, 
and they'll want tax returns, they'll want an offering memorandum, they'll want this. And then by the time all that, that information's assembled, it's pending by somebody else. Yeah, right. So you just need to make a judgment call right now in this market. Now, maybe in a year it shifts, you know, yeah. but right now in this market, if you want to buy, you just need to get a gut opinion if it's a good, possibly a good deal or not, put in enough contingencies to get out of it. Right, right. But I just had this happen for someone was looking at a couple of apartment complexes on Harrison Avenue. And I told him, I said, look, this is a hot market. If you want this product, put an offer. He's like, well, go get me this. Go get me that. Enough. It went pending yesterday. He's like, let's make an offer. I go, I'm, I'm sorry. It's already pending. Um, you know, and, and it's just one of them things of, of you can do your due diligence after you're under contract. Right. People are hesitating. And you're also not going to get the cap rates you got three years ago. No. Right. Going in, you're just not, you know, you're just no. not going to get 15%. The day you buy a property, you know, uh, no, no way. And it, it, a big part of it too, JJ, of kind of what you're saying, being able to move quick is just really knowing your market, right. Or having yeah. a team that really knows the market. Cause you're talking about making a judgment call and some people might think, well, how the heck could I do that so quickly? But if you know the market, if you know, uh, you know, again, kind of what you're saying, like, you know, what, what cap rates things are trading at in that market, you know, what the, um, you know, maybe cost per door. And you, you, certainly you have to know, you know, what are you going to get for rent for for one beds, two beds in the area. But if you know these kind of things and you see a property and you say, okay, I know, I know that area. I know what, what rent can, you know, I can get in that area. You know, if you, if you use a property management company, like I do, okay. I, you know, talk to your property manager real quick. Hey, what do you, you know, what do you think about this property, this area? Yep. Good area, good rental market. We can take it down. Okay. You know, you look at a picture, Brick building, you know, for me, I, I love brick, pitch roof, yeah. shingles. Okay, so look, I mean, we, we might find something, but, <laughs> you know, for the most part, this is what we're looking for. We got to make an offer on it. And then to your point, yeah. hey, you get in there and find out it's a boiler that's about to go. Every single window needs replaced, you know, whatever. I mean, maybe maybe you didn't even know it was 50% vacant. Okay, so my, I need to adjust my price a little bit or something, you know, but again, like you said, there's contingencies, but in order to even have a shot at the deal, I totally agree with you. You got to move quick. Yeah. You do, or you're going to lose out. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so you're, I'm sure you have a lot of buyers, JJ, that understand that. So that list of buyers you go to, you, you've got some of them that the ones that do well and get the deals there, they're the ones that know the market and they can, they can make an offer to you pretty quick to put in on the property. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, what do you, so you, you kind of mentioned it there, but what do you, what are you seeing in this market? Um, JJ, beyond that, I mean, like you, like you said, um, cap rates have, have compressed. You're, you're not going in. I mean, <laughs> we're close to 15, obviously. I mean, way, way, way right. from there. Um, what are you seeing? What, what's, um, I guess maybe, maybe Cincinnati and maybe compare it to, to Dayton. What are you seeing cap rates? What are you seeing cost per door, stuff like that? You know, if it's 90% full, it's a C property. Mm-hmm probably you're going to get more than 40 a door. And, and that's the other thing is some investors that bought three or four years ago at 15 or 20 a door for the same thing can't comprehend that the market shifted. But you can buy things where rents are lower that can be raised, mm -hmm. that maybe it needs work, but not a ton of work. Mm -hmm. And you can get maybe 10 or 15% in a year or two. Sure. If yep. you manage it correctly, you know? Right. Right. That, yeah, that, that's kind of what I, 
I've talked with other guys about that and, and try to kind of teach that on this podcast is, you know, you may be going in, maybe you're going in at a seven cap and you think, oh, gosh, this is terrible. You know, a 7% return on my money. But like you said, if, if you realize that rents definitely can be raised and I don't have to put a ton of money into, to get that um, increased rent, or maybe, maybe they're not billing back any utilities and I can do, you know, one property we had, we did a $25 utility bill back. That's it. But $25 over 16 units. And that's only 16, maybe by a 30 unit, you do that. You do little things like that. Suddenly, you know, for the amount of money that you're into it, your NOI, you know, goes up because because your income comes up so much. Maybe you're able to control some expenses as well. Now your income's way up. Now, you know, nothing changed except your NOI. So the actual, the operating cap rate, you know, you came in at a seven, but now the operating cap rate, to your point there, JJ, is, is a 10, 10%. Yeah. And, and anybody would, I mean, should be thrilled with that, but thrilled with 10% when you're, gosh, buying it, you know, 3% interest money. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's a great spread there. And so Cincinnati, bigger market for sure than Dayton. Definitely more, more industry, more big, big name players. GDP yeah, they never Dayton doesn't have. bounced back from the last recession. They right. lost like the National Cash Register Company. They've mm-hmm. closed hospitals uh, and they've closed libraries in Dayton. Yeah. But it's still people still need to rent there, you know? Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. And uh, you do see a little bit. I, I feel like you're, you're starting just now, maybe. I mean, and it's been, gosh, since, yeah. you know, 2008, we're talking 12 years. I'd say just in the past few years, I think you're starting to see some money come back in and, and a little bit of industry coming back in and the city putting some money in. It's, there's some opportunity zones um, in Dayton, and I think you see some mm-hmm. money flow to those. So you're seeing a little bit. So cost per door, maybe cap rate, you'd expect to do a little better in Dayton, right? What, what's the difference there? Yeah, if you compare um, Cincinnati and Dayton and, and um, the price per door is less in Dayton, yeah. Um, the rents are a hair lower, but not significantly lower. They're not, you know, significantly. So, um, like I said, a lot of people are heading that way because they see Cincinnati starting to get a little, you know, um, concentrated. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're, they're, they're like, you know, well, it's an hour away. I got something in Cincinnati, but if I need to, I can get my car easy to get to. Yeah. You kind of mentioned like the 40, 40,000 per door. I mean, to me, that that's still doable in a lot of areas in Dayton. I I hardly see that at all in Cincinnati. I mean, maybe some of the the worst areas, but man, a lot of Cincinnati, you're seeing sixty a door. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I've got a twenty four unit for thirty five a door. Okay. In Cincinnati. Yeah, um, that's different. Need some work. Need some work, but you know. Uh, yeah. So they're still out there. That's your point. They're still out there. You know the right people. Yeah. You know the right sellers, you know, the right guys like you that, that have connections with sellers. Yeah. You can still get in there. Um, are you seeing a lot of, uh, out of state money, JJ coming into Cincinnati specifically? I get calls from China, from Jeez. Israel, New York, New Jersey, um, uh, West Palm beach area. Um, yeah, a lot of the investors, um, most of them are out, out of the area. There, there's a few local people, but a lot of them are out of the area. Okay. And so I guess uh, if someone's looking to sell, um, JJ, they got, you know, a small to mid-sized apartment, maybe it's a bigger one um, in Cincinnati or Dayton, Northern Kentucky. Um, and they're interested in, in, in selling with somebody like you. What's that look like? How, how's that different than, than maybe some of the other brokers you charge the same? Is it going to be 5% just like most of the other ones? You know, what I normally do, and again, I do it all. Like if someone wants something on the MLS or LoopNet or they want other agents and brokers involved, 
but actually I'm, I'm pretty well at 4% um, for if it's just me. Yeah. You know, if I'm representing both the buyer and the seller, I I do 4% and um, I try not to get greedy. Uh, I want a long-term relationship with people, uh, but I need to make, you know, something, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, so I'm at, I'm usually at four in most cases. Okay. Um, And now it's a big deal. You know, it's a $32 million complex. I'll come down quite a bit, you know? Um, Yeah. So, you know, it depends on the the size of it, you know? Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, So, uh, what would be your, what would be your best advice, JJ, to somebody getting started um, as an investor um, looking for a deal right now? What are a couple of the things they can do? Maybe, maybe, maybe just one most important thing they can do right now to get their first deal in a hot market like this. You know, listen to podcasts like yours. I'll read books like by Brandon Turner and different people. And there's a lot of good information out there, but at some point you just got to kind of back, listen to your gut, look at the numbers, but listen to your gut too. And visually inspect the property. Um, and there's no perfect property, you know, yeah. there's no, there, there's, there is no property that's up today. There just isn't, you know, <laughs> yeah. it just doesn't exist, but can you live with it? You know, can you live with it? Can you fix it over time? You know? Yep. yep. Um, so um, you know, not to shift and wait for that perfect deal of, you know, like I said, 20% cap rate, old lady dying, you know, uh, it's being, you know, 10 grand, the, those deals just don't happen, you know? Right. Yep. So you've got to look for the ones that can get you good returns in the future, you know? Yeah. And when you talk about visually inspect the property, what do you mean by that, AJ? Dig into that well, if you are out of state, you should come to the property. Okay why you have your due diligence period and lay eyes on the property. There are people that buy properties um, sight unseen. They rely yeah. on a whole home inspector and they rely yeah. on me and, and that's fine. But if you're the one dishing out the money, I, I, it's, you know, flights are cheap right now. I have a friend that just went to Hawaii for four fifty. you know, um, <laughs> you know, they, they are, they're, they're cheap. So, I mean, you know, take that time, even if it's a weekend, you know, if you're busy during the week, fly out Friday night and fly back Sunday morning and, and get, lay eyes on the building, you know, talk yep. to a tenant, you know, mm-hmm. you know, that's very valuable, but a lot of people just don't do it. Okay. Yeah. And if you're in the market, obviously, then, then you've got a real competitive advantage because you can do that very easily. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. I hope you'll take action on what you've learned today. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving Lee a five-star rating and review. And check him out on threefoldrei.com. Until next time, 1 Timothy 6.17.